When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Make me smile. Welcome back to Trot's Life. Jay Bond with you. And um, a little bit of a discussion earlier, I think, with Matty Lepard before we get to his tips. Only four across the uh, gamut here. One at Mildred, a couple at Menangle, and one at Albion Park. How are you, my friend Matthew? Hello, Jay. I'm good. Um, wow, what a weekend. I don't think I've quite had a weekend in horse ownership like I did on the weekend. I had... Um, I had runners in four races across the weekend and, and I won all four races and I didn't back them all, but if you did multiply the Betfair starting price on all four, you end up with 64,000 to one. Whoa. Holy jeez. So the, the highlight was obviously Jimmy Locke winning the the J.E. Binskin free-for-all up at Menangle on Saturday night. But um, I uh, it started with Friday, Mr. Bohannon up at Newcastle and then... Uh, Doubtless Bay at Menangle, race one, and then Jimmy Locke, and then last night at Redcliffe, um, Flash of Val at 30 to 1 at Redcliffe. Holy jeez, Louise. I reckon you might not have backed that one, but um, G- G- Jimmy Locke has been, uh, I don't know where your favourites lie. I know it's very hard not to go back to the very start of your ownership experience, and um, those moments are so special, and your time with Can't Refuse and all the rest of it. But in terms of Probably, I don't know what you picked him up for, but I don't know if it would have been massive. He was going well, but probably people thought he was limited to a degree. I wonder whether Jimmy Locke's not very close to being the favourite horse you've ever owned. Yeah, he's certainly getting there. Um, he was a, a pretty cheap buy. He's only 20000 Um We bought him off, off David Aiken, and in Victoria with Aiken, he was, uh, he was a Metro horse. He'd won a couple of Metro races, but he was, he was never going to go on to be a free-for-aller. But uh, I always thought he would be a great Menangle miler um, because he's got high speed and he loves the short trip and he follows pace well. So when he came up for sale for what I consider to be a pretty cheap price, I snapped him up straight away. And um, we've had him for nearly three years now. And he's, uh, I think since we got him, he's somewhere around the 200000 mark. So he's done a terrific job. And I would say that he's one of my favourites, but maybe not quite my favourite because he doesn't always try his hardest. He only tries when Jimmy feels like turning up. So I, I prefer a horse like Always Rockin', who's one of my battlers up around Menangle, who just tries his best every week and um, earns checks week in, week out. What uh, what in your mind, because I think everyone's got their idea, but what in your mind does make a great Menangle miler? Because you're probably looking at uh, a, yes, high speed, short course, um, sometimes a little bit of strength because of the long straight. And the other element sometimes maybe is that ability to not necessarily have change-up speed, but to be able to hold a high speed for a fair while. So when you're looking for one that you want to send to ju- different jurisdictions, and obviously Redcliffe is virtually the binary opposite of um, of Menangle, what exactly are you looking for? When I'm looking for a horse in general, and this isn't just for Menangle, but I look gate for speed. a horse that has gate speed and high point-to-point speed. So... Um, when I say point-to-point speed, let's let's talk about Gloucester Park. If you're back in the field and you want to make a move to the breeze, you've got to get from last to first to get up outside the leader in the space of about 150 metres before the bend comes up, essentially. So 
you need to be able to make a short, sharp sprint to get into a position and then obviously still finish the race off. So in the case of Menangle, if you can only run a quarter in 27.5, let's say your last quarter in 27.5, that's generally not going to win your Metro race at Menangle. So you need a horse at Menangle that has a very, very quick quarter in it and, and sort of a sub-27, like a 26 sort of quarter in it. Um, but obviously at Menangle, given that every horse is off the front line with 10 across the front, you need a horse with, with high gate speed because if you can lob straight in front, then um, that certainly helps around Menangle as well. But the main thing is you just need to look for a horse that has very high point-to-point speed because you can always send it to a trainer that can train toughness into them. This is my mentality with Perth, with Gloucester Park. The way they train in the heavy sand over there, they can always train toughness into them but there's no substitute for speed. You've either got speed or you don't, and that's that's the important thing to look for. One element that it seems, well, I want to get onto a couple of other subjects in a moment, but I'm very interested in this. One element that you seem to adopt that not everyone does. So typically um, back in the day, uh, if you were going to tr- try and uh, pick up a horse, you would try and get them off a trainer who might be a hobbyist or somebody who you think that you can just improve them off via training, particularly from New Zealand, you wanted to maybe, you saw a horse with ability and you say, well, that bloke's got a farm and he, uh, he's a dairy farm, whatever, and has a few horses, but will improve it with a better trainer. But it seems to me that you've got no issue getting horses off very good trainers if you think you can find a, a better jurisdiction or a better area for them to race in. Yeah, I've got no issue with, like David Aiken is a very, very good trainer. Legend. Has been for decades. But when Jimmy Lott came up for sale, I thought, well, as long as I'm sending it to a, another good trainer where the horse is also going to be suited like Jimmy is with the Menangle style of racing, I've got no issue with buying off the good trainers as long as you're sending them to another good trainer. The issue is if you're buying off a good trainer and then sending it to a hobbyist, that's when the horse is most likely to sort of regress in its form. So yeah. I guess I, I just make sure that I, I, you know, you send them to the good trainers in different states around Australia, and that's the key. I, I'm not too concerned about who I'm buying off. It's more about who you're sending it to. Um, now, before we get into the tips, a uh, little discussion on the, the, these slot races. They're they're all very exciting and all the rest of it, but um, are we at the point already where uh, we almost can't have any more? And um, Look, I, I just worry that we waited a long time to, to uh, get involved with them. It took uh, um, a, a, an ambitious CEO there in Cambridge to really um, break the shackles and have the race by grins. And now we've got a couple of extras. I'm just wondering whether we don't want to proliferate these too far because for a variety of reasons, you're going to eventually, I think if you have like five or six of them, you're going to cannibalise... Um, the proper good races, and also because I, I don't know if we'll get the horses to to turn up and and have great races out of all of them. And if you don't have great races out of the slot races, then they're going to die pretty quickly because people aren't going to want to uh, invest in the slots. Yeah. So when the Everest kicked off, uh, probably six, seven years ago now, I think, um, it, it was an instant success, and I really liked it. I thought it was great. And it was only a matter of time before the same thing happened in harness racing. But you made a very good point about how all of a sudden we've got three and two of them are on the same night or the same weekend, I think, the the New Zealand one and the Perth one. Um, so I think we just need to be careful that we don't end up having too many to the point where they they don't feel, each one doesn't feel as special. Like when we have the Everest, it's a massive event. It's, it's the slot race in gallops and, 
and it's a massive thing. If we end up with lots of slot races in harness racing, it just loses, uh, I guess, that point of difference in how special mm. a slot race is. Yeah. And and I guess you look and the example I'll use is all these um, these two million dollar pop up races that Volandis keeps putting on in Sydney in the gallops. It's got to the point where no one seems to even really care about them anymore, and and the quality of the fields in them are terrible. Um, and, and they're sort of almost irrelevant now. It's just throwing money at it for the sake of it. So I guess if we end up with six or seven slot races, one in every state in harness racing, each one is not going to feel all that special because it's just going to feel like another race. And at the moment, that is what's so unique about the Everest is because it is the slot race. So I would have thought we're better off in harness racing having one slot race, even if it means that it rotates from state to state a bit like the Dominion used to. Because at least then it has that point of difference, and it is the race that really captures the imagination of the harness racing world. Do you do you agree as well? And this is it's a political uh, minefield. But if we, if we were only going to have one, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, like I say, I wish everybody the best, but I can see them being rationalised because people won't put the money up for these slots if they. It's one thing to be able to win the money, but you you generally put the money up for these slots. It's a uh, how do I put this nicely? It's a measuring contest of sorts. I won't say what we're measuring, but it's a measuring <laughs> contest of sorts. And if you're not, if you don't feel that anybody's watching what's getting measured when you win one, I don't think that I, I don't know that they'll survive. But I also think if there's only going to be one, it should be an open age race. Like the three, the three and four year olds are looked after pretty well these days. Yeah, um, I, I think HRA made it three and four year old, even more so Australian bred ones, more to protect the money staying in Australia. Mm. Um, but because if, if you make the Kiwis come over, that you know, well, history would suggest that quite often, particularly the three- and four-year-olds, the age group race in the Kiwis can be quite dominant, as we've seen in all the breeders' crowns for the last 20 years. Um, so if we were to narrow it down to one slot race, and let's say it did move from state to state like the Inter-Dominion did, then um, I think it would have to be a an open age race. Um, but let's also consider if we do do that with a slot and make it one national slot race, do we run the risk of the Inter-Dominion losing even more relevance than what it's already lost over the last 20 years? Which I would like to think that we don't because the Inter-Dominion, to me, is still a very special thing because it's not just the test of the best horse, but the test of the toughest horse across a fortnight of brutal racing, which I think is what the standard bred is all about that typifies harness racing because the standard bread is so tough compared to a thoroughbred. So, I think it's important that amongst all this, we don't lose what the Inter Dominion is. But at the same time, I think we need to hopefully not end up with too many slot races in an ideal world. End up with one, as you said, open age and make it travel from state to state so everyone can sort of have a go. The truth is, we'll go to the news in a moment. But the truth is, the Inter Dominion, if it's still going to be around in twenty years, and I, we all actually know this. They have to at least double the prize money and, the, and new deals have to be written up because you can't have the most iconic race uh, series going around for less money than a number of other races. It just can't happen. So particularly these days where you're asking, you know, the finer nature of the standard bread and you're asking them to race multiple times in quick succession, then there's got to be not only the glory and the prestige at the end of the rainbow, but also plenty of money. As we go to the news... We'll come back with the tips from Matty Lapard, but Danny Mullen, um, Sunday it was, or was it yesterday? It was Sunday, of course. Birchip, 
Um, Birdship Cup, Mallee Bull Pacing Cup again. Have you ever been to one, by the way, Matty? I haven't. Um, I'm, generally, that long weekend, I go to Super Saturday at Flemington. Yeah. So I went again on, on the weekend, and, and it was a great day there. But it means that I'm, I'm generally not feeling fresh enough to make the venture up to, <laughs> to Birdship. Because if I do go, then I know what's going to happen when I get up there. It's definitely on the bucket list, and uh, it keeps getting bigger and better every year. In fact, they've done it magnificently from the from the word go. But Danny Mullen, who won the feature trotting race with Imperial Wiz, rightly congratulates the club. Great crowd atmosphere, like a mini Kilmore Cup of days gone by. Check out the crowd line, crowd lining the fence for cup races. Kudos to the committee. We might see if we can get somebody on a little bit later, Danny, to talk about it. Please recognise the club's efforts. Regards, Danny Mullen, 100%. They are and have done an outstanding job right from the beginning, and it is on my bucket list. Time for the news. We'll come back with the tips around the grounds from the big cat, Matthew Lepard. Women used to love to throw the undergarments up at the uh, the Welshman. Probably not. Not in, it's not unusual. Uh, I think those days might be gone for Tom, unfortunately, but um, he's got the memories, and that's the main thing. Uh, let's move on to some tips. One at the Sun Razor. Talk me through it, please, Matthew. Before we get to um, oh, right. Mildura, can we just talk about something that is happening tonight? And oh. um, it's called Cheltenham. So oh, um, I love the UK this. Yes. Festival starts tonight. They run four times in a week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, for those who know me and, and follow me on Twitter would know I was actually over there this time last year yeah. and went to went to all four days of, of the festival. Um, if you haven't been, you really need to go. In my opinion, it's the best racing festival I've ever been to. So for those who don't know, Cheltenham is a city about two hours northwest of London. Uh, it, it only has about 100,000, so it's about the same size as Bendigo. And they get 80,000 people to each of the four days of the festival. Uh, which means the town is, and the surrounding area is essentially doubling its population in the, uh, across the week. So as you can imagine, all the accommodation is is booked out and hard to find. The pubs are all pumping, and it's uh, it's an amazing experience for anyone who loves racing and jumps racing in particular. So the highlight tonight, race four at 2.30am, for those that are still up, a horse called Constitution Hill um, in the champion hurdle. So he's he's about four to one on, so too short to back, but definitely worth a watch. It's the biggest boom I've seen on a an up-and-coming jumper over there in probably the last decade. And, and this he's in against the best of the best over there tonight. So if you're still up, worth watching because he is an absolute freak. So so you will still be up, that is what you what yeah, tell us. Yeah, I'll probably stay up till his race and then go to bed at 2.30. <laughs> uh, one of the great experiences you told us when you came back, though, it just must be... It just must be absolute. I mean, you think about all the world's great carnivals and probably the brutality of those carnivals for those who are uh, enjoying the races and enjoying the afters. I'd say that this would have to be right up there. Yeah, I've, I haven't been to Royal Ascot yet, but I've, I've talking to a lot of the locals over there last year. It's a very different vibe to Royal Ascot. Um, jumps racing over there is more like the, the people's sport as opposed to the sport for the rich and famous yeah. like, like Royal Ascot and flat racing is. So therefore people aren't sort of necessarily dressing up to go to Cheltenham. It's sort of just wear your casual nice clothes and, and therefore it's all about the horse. It's all about the atmosphere rather than all about looking as fancy as you can. And that, and that really adds to the atmosphere I found. Yeah. I, I know that um, it's a real racing lovers thing. My old mate, uh, Blake Redden, who of course was with Harness Racing Victoria for a long time and joined me for the first year or more of what was talking trots on track back in those days is a massive 
Cheltenham man as well. So for those who really love racing, and I mean not one co, you just love your racing, um, definitely get involved in squeezing at the Cheltenham Carnival. And if you have to go to bed early to make your girlfriend Abby, just tuck tuck yourself in and then grab the pillows and make uh, make it look like you're still in bed. Maybe maybe put something over them to make they feel make them feel like they're still cuddled and duck out and watch it on the um, watch it on the TV out in the lounge room. Right, we'll get to the tips now. Mildura race eight. Rick Riley, this is a good race. The open classer. Rick Riley favourite a dollar a dollar eighty. Sahara Tiger for Team Sanderson at two dollars seventy. Thoughts here, please, Matthew. Yeah, this is a good race. There's three really good class three for all horses here. So this is probably. Just nearly the best race we've seen at Mildura since last year's Mildura Carnival, which is 11 months ago. So Rick Riley, Bernie Winkle and Sahara Tiger are the three big guns here, but they're all drawn the back row over the short trip. Um, I'm with Rick Riley. Um, but it's interesting to see Bernie Winkle at odds of $10. I don't think we've seen him go around at double figures at Mildura yeah. in a standard free-for-all for a long, long time. But on what we've seen maybe the last month or two, he might, he's not where he was a couple of years ago. His, his form's just tapered a bit. And being a 10-year-old, um, I just wonder if he's starting to slow down a bit. Um, and, and I'm not sure he can win tonight, but I'm with the stable mate, Rick Riley. So he draws number two on the back row. Uh, he follows through United. I think because he draws inside Bernie Winkle and Sahara Tiger, there's a good chance that Jack Law might be able to push through and pop around to the breeze after half a lap, and therefore he's all of a sudden he's giving himself a sort of 15 or 20 metre advantage on his only two dangers. So it's going to be very tactical, but as long as he can pop around to the breeze and maintain that advantage and stay ahead of the other two, then I'm pretty keen that Jack Law and Rick Riley can get the job done tonight. The horse has ventured up to Mildura three times over the years and has won all three of them, so he obviously handled the track very well. As we know, Bernie Winkle and Sahara Tiger handled the track very well too, but I just think that draw advantage, if he can keep that advantage uh, on his main two rivals, Jack Law and Rick Riley, then I think he can get the job done. So race eight, number eight, Rick Riley is my only bet at Mildura for the night. All right, and we'll be getting um, Pocket Salter on after 12. So more Mildura tips, and I'll give you Darren Cowles a little bit later as well. But I'll tell you what Team Douglas do more, just about better than anybody else. They seem to race these horses into really good form, and then they drop their form, and then they race back into form. So... Maybe Bertie Winkle will find his form again, but he's certainly – I don't think it's even he, uh, him from two years ago. It's like he was racing really well four or five months ago. It just seems like he's dropped off since then. Here's the question for the steak knives before we go to Menangle. He is the winningest horse, as we know, at any track in the country, I think in Australasia. How many races has Bernie Winkle won at Mildura? Matty Lepard. Uh, well, I'm looking at the form guide here, so I know the answer. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, that's cheating. 38 is the right answer. Yeah, but, 38 but, out of 77 at the track. Uh, I'm glad you, 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 you could have done that thing where you go, I have heard this, um, 30-something, I reckon. Yeah, if I didn't have the form guide in front of you, I would have said it was 30-something, but I wouldn't have known the exact number. Um, let's get stuck into Menangled now. I think race two is the first one we're going to have a crack at. What do you like there? Yeah, so this is a trotters race uh, for the up to 55 Raiders over the long trip. So generally these sort of races, they go single file for a while. Um, and you need a horse who can sort of run a strong 2300. Um, so I'm with number two, My Ultimate Eddie, for uh, Will Rickson and Alex Alchison here. So it's certainly no moral and it, it has behavioural issues. It doesn't mind a bit of a gallop every now and then. But I just think its last run was only beaten 13 metres in 155 behind Jungle Eyes and Lettuce Trot. Now, they're both much stronger 
horses and what it meets here. So it ran fifth and ran home well from three pegs in that race. Before that, it galloped on the home bend and then still actually hit the line really, really well in a race where King City, who's favourite today, it also galloped in that same race. But I just thought my ultimate Eddie might run a stronger 2300 than King City. The interesting runner is number four, Yeah You, former Grant Dixon, uh, Queenslander, who's now with Joe Rando, having its first run down there for new connections. But I just think if my ultimate Eddie can trot all the way, I think it might have the ability to get the job done. We did see it down here in Victoria when it won its big red bonus with Greg Sugars driving, so it's gone back up to Sydney. We just need it to behave and um, hopefully can get the job done. So that's race two, number two, my ultimate Eddie. I did uh, catch up with him last time I was in Sydney. Will Rickson's one of the um, the taller range people going around. He's a, he's a lean yeah, cat, but he's a tall man. He's, he's a really nice guy, Will. I've met he him a few a, times over the last couple of years in my my journeys up there for Miracle Mile weekends and into Dominions and things like that. And he's a really lovely guy, very friendly. But when you see him in the cart, you don't actually realise how tall he is until you actually stand next to him and meet him. And now, obviously, I'm not the tallest guy going around, but he towers over me. But he's actually very skinny as well. It, so I guess yeah. that being tall is not too bad as a driver, as long as you're not also solidly built. And Will's certainly not. He's, he's tall and lanky, and, and that's why he can still get the job done in the cart. And you've got to... Uh, it's, Funnily enough, you've got to have uh, core, I reckon core strength is a major, major factor for uh, for drivers. And Will's got it. I reckon to be nearly six foot. He's a tall guy. Now he's. I'll get a message somewhere that he's six one. Uh, Menangle race four favourite here. Tisbury Rocks for Jack Trainer and David Thorne, and they have supported it. And I reckon you might have as well. Two thirty it opened into a dollar seventy five, and I reckon some of that money is yours. That's my guess. Yeah, pretty keen on it here. This is not a strong race. Um, if you look at so it's, it's a Kiwi horse who's having its first run. Uh, in Australia, for, uh, under the tutelage of David Thorne, who's a very, very sharp trainer up there in Sydney, and Jack Jack Trainer takes the drive. So um, it hasn't trialled. So this is somewhat of a guess, but I've gone back through all its New Zealand replays, and it has a good turn of foot, has good gait speed. It looks like the sort of horse that in these midweek Menangle races it'll be suited to the Menangle style of racing, like what we spoke about uh, earlier. Um so, as I said, it's a bit of a guess. But if you look at the locals that it's running against today, none of them are really stars. So, Miss Exclusive, number three, the second favourite, a $3 pop. It it led and, and only went 154.7 home in 56.6, and still got beaten. Um, so, I would have thought that Tisbury Rocks, if it can't run those sort of times and beat a horse like Miss Exclusive, then it, it shouldn't be here. So, um, I'm happy to to go with David Thorne and Jack Trainer here. David Thorne, when he produces these ex-Kiwis, generally they get the job done. And the last one we sort of saw come over under his stable for New Zealand was Heaven on High, who's won uh, many races since and went 150 on Menangle on Saturday night. So if Tisbury Rocks can be anywhere near that sort of ability, then he'll be winning this and uh, happy to, to be on it. And even at the odds on now, I think it's still not too bad a bit. But that's race four, number four, Tisbury Rocks. All right, all roads lead to Tisbury Rocks, winning race four at Menangle. And we've got one up in the Sunshine State as well. And I'm intrigued by what you've come up with here because it is a funny old market. Mr. McLaren continues to hold the call for Chantel Turpin, 240 out to 270. But there's about three they've had to go out here. Classic major, 440 into th- well, out of 460 into 360. Burns Bay. Nathan Dawson takes the drive for Narissa McMullen at five fifty into four eighty, and they've also had a good go at Classy Washington for Darren and Angus Garrard twelve into six fifty. So a funny old market. They've either got it very wrong, or or Mister Mister McLaren um, 
is going to be the one to beat. It's still holding the call pretty comfortably. Who have you decided to uh, lean with in this one at Albion Park, please, Matty? Yeah, it is a good race. Um, it's a heat of uh, a series for up to 70 Raiders, so I think they run a $20,000 final. So that, this is actually a really strong heat. But I'm with an ex-Victorian here who's done its recent racing in New South Wales, and that's number nine, Classic Major. So it's first up for Shane Graham. Um, it, it, in Victoria, it wasn't much of a horse, but it was bought for only a cheap amount and, and sent to New South Wales where it absolutely jumped out of the ground and was racing really, really well in really, really strong grade. So it's, it's um, two starts back. It ran second in 151 behind Can't Find a Better Man, who obviously went on to run a place in the chariots. But all around that that, that run, it's still been going really good in, in times around the 152 mark. If it can produce its Sydney form first up here, I think it'll go pretty close. The front line, there's a lot of gate speed here. Um, Burns Bay, number one, it'll want to lead. Um, it can probably hold up if it wants to, but it might have to run a 26 quarter to do so because there's also high gate speed from number two, Water Roller, number three, Chainlink. Um, number four, Mr. McLaren, the favourite here. It's a, it's a former Kiwi having its first run for the Chantel Turpin stable. It has trialled. It trialled okay, but only went 156.2. Looked to do it reasonably easy, but it would still need to improve on what we saw in the trial to win today. So I certainly couldn't go near it at the price. So I'm just banking on there being a pretty quick first quarter here. And Classic Major is proving to on its New South Wales form to be a very good sit sprinter. So hopefully it can run over them late. And that's race nine, number nine. Uh, first up in the state to Shane Graham. All right, race nine, number nine, and that cleanses up. Only the four tips today, but as mentioned, we'll get Pogger on to have a chat about, Pogger Solder, that is, to have a chat about Mildura, and I'll give you Darren Carroll's tips as well. Well done, Matthew. Go and enjoy the rest of your day and night. Thanks, Bonners. See you, mate. Catch up. He'll be looking forward to Cheltenham, no doubt about it. He's already told us that. Time for a break. We'll come back. More action coming up. I'll give you those tips from Darren Carroll in a moment. Unfortunately, we won't get a look at the fields for Saturday night while on air today because of those bloody pesky public holidays. War, what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Say it again. But I'll find out if there's any headline acts going around and uh, maybe we can chat about them in the second hour as well of Trot's Life right here on SEN Track.